Welcome to episode 11 of the Wind Moon Magic Podcast. Today I'm talking about witchcraft and magic with children. I've had a few of you ask me through email and Instagram about how I include my son in my magic practice and how aware of it he is. This is an interesting and sometimes complex topic. I know some other podcasters have touched on the idea of introducing children to witchcraft. I highly recommend you give those a listen. Comfy Cozy Witch did an episode, and I believe Middle-Aged Witch did an episode. I'm so happy that as a community we are talking about this next generation, but I want to get a whole lot more specific and maybe a little bit more actionable for you today. This is a topic I have lots of ideas around, and I'm pretty passionate about being open with my son and allowing him to witness his parent living an authentic, magical life. And here's the thing. Even if you are a witch who is not fully out of the closet, maybe you're worried your child will blab to the wrong person. Maybe you don't want your child to feel ostracized if other children make fun of him if he says, I have a witch for a parent, right? There's so many reasons why you may have hesitation around this. But you can do all of this and so much more without ever using the words magic, witchcraft, spell, ritual, you can. And if you don't believe me, look at Waldorf education for an example. I'm not going to go into what Waldorf education is. It's a huge and, and uh, sometimes controversial form of education, but I've never seen anything so built upon magic and they never use that word. I mean, it's just bursting with it. So it's worth looking into. You can do this. Teach your children. Don't leave them to figure this out as adults like many of us have. Let them see you. Let them see the world in all its magical glory. Use whatever language or coding you think best, but don't deny them this. Childhood is already a magical time. Children are inherently closer to this than we are. As adults, we have to work so much harder to grasp our power. I believe every child is already born magical. Imagine sharing that with them fully. Imagine how much more magical your life and your practice can be with them included. So there are lots of ways to go about this, and I'm not talking about bringing your child into every aspect of your practice. Pick and choose. I want to share with you today 10 ways to begin bringing your child into your magic practice. These are based on my own experience, and I hope you can see the potential to scale these up or down to suit your own family's unique dynamic, your interests, your practice, and your comfort with the idea. Let's jump right in, shall we? The first area I have on my list is nature study. Nature walks offer a myriad of opportunities to connect with the natural world while instilling a sense of wonder and respect for it in children. During these walks, encourage your child to become a keen observer of their surroundings. Teach them the names of trees, flowers, and animals they encounter fostering a deeper understanding of the ecosystem. Explain how various plants and animals hold significance in different traditions and cultures. Take moments during the walks to sit quietly with your child, modeling the art of simply being in nature. Encourage them to just watch and listen, allowing the environment to speak to them in its own way. Make space for boredom while in nature. Camping is great for this, but even a lazy afternoon at the park without a playground or equipment will do. Sometimes, it takes a bit of time for the pull of the Nintendo Switch or the Legos to lose their grasp on your child's imagination and free them up to see nature and what's around them. And I'm not saying your child can't have those things. Mine definitely does. But sometimes you just need to hold space for something else to enter your child's life and their imagination. You can also transform your nature walks into treasure hunts. 
Encourage children to seek out and collect nature treasures such as rocks, leaves, feathers. These collected items can serve as tangible reminders of their outdoor adventures and can also be used to create projects later on or displayed in the home. This becomes a tangible reminder for your child of the value and beauty of nature. If you value an acorn enough to display one they found, maybe there's more to an acorn. When they bring you that acorn, you might ask them, what do they like about it? If they can point out what tree it came from, admire the raw potential of this relatively tiny seed to grow and transform into a mighty oak tree, and then maybe say something like, do you want to take this home? We could gather a couple and make a backpack charm as a reminder of your own inner strength and to be kind to yourself as you learn and grow. A simple acorn has then become an invitation to make a charm together. Teach them to leave offerings to the plants and trees that resonate with them. Still using my acorn example, you might demonstrate to your child how to thank a tree for its gift by simply taking a moment with the oak to rest your forehead against its bark in silence. Encourage your child to place a hand on the tree trunk and simply breathe and feel the life beneath their hands. And then I would say, whoa, do you feel that? And if they ask what, I would ask them to just feel for a moment more before asking them again, do you feel the power? Do you feel the life force of this tree? Can you imagine being this old, this tall, and all the things you would have seen if you were this tree? Thank you for the acorns tree. Let's be sure we don't take too many. Others need them more than us. This practice can instill a sense of reciprocity and respect for the natural world emphasizing the interconnectedness of all living things, whether it's a moment of silence or a small bouquet of flowers or a simple whispered thank you. These gestures foster a sense of reverence. And don't be afraid to get a little messy during nature walks. Encourage your child to kick off their shoes, wade in streams, splash in puddles, feel the cool water and the mud between their toes. This sensory experience can be incredibly grounding and allows them to connect more deeply with the element of earth. It also reinforces the idea that nature is not something to be observed from afar, but a world to be actively engaged with and enjoyed. Through these activities, children can develop a profound appreciation for the beauty and magic of the natural world. Number two, the moon. Connecting with the moon's energies can be a beautiful and enlightening experience for children. Start by teaching them about the phases of the moon and the traditional names for each full moon, like harvest moon or snow moon. Begin with a simple activity. Ask your child to observe their own emotions and their physical sensations during different moon phases. This started for us with a simple widget on the iPhone. He would swipe to see what phase the moon was going to be in it, and I would ask him, hmm, waxing crescent, huh? How are you feeling during this time? Is it different than you felt a few days ago? At first, his answers didn't really relate, but then one day it clicked. Hey, I feel more often this way when the moon is full versus how I feel when it's in its dark phase. When that happens, it's a great time to start talking about the broad concepts around the moon's energies. Explain how different phases are associated with various magical workings. For example, the full moon is often seen as a time of heightened energy and magic, while the new moon is considered a time for setting intentions and new beginnings. Encourage your child to journal or draw their observations, helping them build a personal connection to the moon's cycles. Creating a lunar calendar together can be an engaging and educational project. Use this calendar to track the moon's cycles, noting the dates of full moons, new moons, and other significant lunar events. Allow your child to decorate the calendar with lunar-themed artwork or symbols that resonate with them. This not only teaches them about the moon's phases, but also provides a tangible representation of time passing and the ever-changing cyclical nature of the moon and nature. 
I always tell witches learning about moon magic to try to go out and see the moon every day or night for an entire month. It can be challenging depending on when the moon is visible, but I found this to be one of the quickest ways of connecting to moon magic. And this is an excellent challenge to set yourself as a family. I saw a wonderful creator on TikTok who, unfortunately, I can't seem to find again, but she was having her children name the moons of the year for themselves and work intuitively to choose their own associations and traditions around each full moon. Then they would journal it, come up with crafts. It was a lovely idea if you have the bandwidth. If you have a garden, involve your child in planning garden activities around the phases of the moon. Explain the concept of planting by the moon's cycles with some believing that certain phases are more favorable for planting specific crops. Engage them in activities like sowing seeds during the waxing moon or harvesting during the waning moon. This not only connects them to the moon's energies, it also teaches practical gardening skills that can yield more successful results in the garden. It's a wonderful way to blend the magic and practical aspects of lunar cycles. Moon gazing and stargazing offer wonderful opportunities to connect children with the celestial wonders of the night sky. Start by dedicating some evenings to stargazing with your child. Again, camping is perfect for this. I know camping's not for everyone. At any rate, find a dark spot away from city lights, spread out a blanket, and watch as the night sky unfolds. Teach them to identify and learn constellations. Begin with the well-known ones, such as the Big Dipper and Orion, and share the myths and stories associated with the constellations. For instance, tell the tale of Orion the Hunter and how he chases the Pleiades, or share the legend of Ursa Major and Ursa Minor as the Great Bear and the Little Bear. Share stories about how different civilizations from the ancient Greeks to the early American tribes viewed the moon and its mystical qualities. Encourage your children to keep a moon journal. To make moon gazing and stargazing even more engaging, consider using tools like star charts or stargazing apps on your phone and tablet. This will help you too. You don't need to be an expert in everything, but these tools can help you and your child locate the constellations and planets more easily. A good app will also notify you of celestial events worth scheduling a trip to dark skies to see. Additionally, if you have access to a telescope, use it to explore the moon's craters and surface features up close. This is also a fun way to actually see the planets and their relationship to each other during certain celestial events. Through these activities, children can develop a lifelong fascination with the night sky and the stories it holds. Garden magic is number three. I mentioned gardening, but I want to expand on it a bit. If you have a garden, involve your child in every aspect of it, planting, harvesting, weeding, watering, all of it. A garden, or just outside in general, is a wonderful place to begin learning about the elements and elemental magic. Children will always learn more when they puzzle it out for themselves. Adopt a strategy of asking questions. For example, when a child smells lavender, ask them how it makes them feel first, then ask them what they think they could use it for before you rattle off a list of its properties. This applies to everything. Okay, using that question, speculation, discussion model as you work together, take the time to talk about how various herbs and plants hold magical properties and how they've been used for centuries in different traditions. Encourage your child to touch, smell, and observe these plants up close, fostering a deep connection with nature. Point out commonalities and methods of identification. You might say, look, I think this is mint. I think it's in the mint family. Do you see the shape of the stem? My son has his own garden bed. It's small, just four foot by four foot. He plants what he wants to plant, tends to it, weeds it, and gets to decide what he does with his harvest. 
It's adorned with wind catchers and special rocks he painted, and sometimes he lets everything die and turns it into a mud pit for a few weeks where he can just dig for the pleasure of digging before replanting. The point is that he has his hands in the soil. He experiences cycles of life and the joys of a successful harvest. He learns what happens if he's neglectful versus attentive to his garden. This was the first year he saw the project all the way through. He only planted pumpkins because he only wanted to make jack-o'-lanterns with his harvest. So we took all the pulp from a pumpkin carved a year ago and we started those seeds for him. He transplanted them and has done pretty well despite having a bad bout of powdery mildew. It looks like he'll have between six and eight pumpkins and he's already hatching plans to set up a stand to sell them to the neighbors for Halloween. Even if you don't have a garden, there's a lot you can do here. Go to the farmer's market or even the grocery store together. Learn about traditional remedies. Make your own together. Wild craft seasonal treats. Grow a couple things in pots or even grow bags on a patio. Additionally, explore the rich world of plant lore with your child. Introduce them to stories and traditions from different cultures that involve the use of herbs for healing, protection, and magic. Mythology and folklore are full of stories about plants and their magical and healing properties. Encourage your child to ask questions and explore the uses and folklore associated with herbs and plants, allowing them to develop a sense of wonder and appreciation for the natural world and its magical properties. My son was blown away when I showed him how to use yarrow leaves to slow bleeding when I cut myself badly in the garden. As we cleaned up my wound, I was able to tell him about how yarrow was used historically by soldiers and is even named after Achilles. Then I gave him some yarrow powder, labeled in a little vial, to add to his hiking and camping first aid kit. My son also loves to make potions, so I involve him in all aspects of my herbalism practice. He helps me make tinctures, syrups, and salves on a regular basis, and sometimes he just goes outside and makes his own crazy concoctions. I know I'm going to sound like a crazy doomsday prepper for a minute, but should something happen in our world and mainstream medicines not be available, he knows a whole lot of herbal first aid and medicine. He knows where to find the ingredients. He knows how to harvest and prepare them, various methods of application and how to store them properly, all through working with me in my day-to-day -day practice. This hands-on experience not only nurtures his interest in potion making, but it also imparts practical skills and knowledge about the power of herbs in both magic and everyday life. Number four, the wheel of the year. Teaching children about the Wheel of the Year with its eight seasonal Sabbaths can be a wonderful way to connect them with nature's cycles and the changing seasons. Start by marking each of the Sabbaths together as a family. Explain the significance and history of holidays like Yule, Winter Solstice, Imbolc, and Samhain. Share stories and traditions associated with each celebration. Emphasize their connection to nature and to the agricultural calendar. In our home, we celebrate the same way year after year each Sabbath, with the same foods, the same stories, and usually many of the same activities. Involve your child actively in preparing for these seasonal celebrations, and don't be afraid to combine Yule and Christmas and Winter Solstice. That terminology is all applicable. Same with Halloween, Samhain, Day of the Dead, All Hallows' Eve. Explain the differences, explain the similarities, and choose what you're going to incorporate into your family's traditions. Involve your child actively in preparing for these seasonal celebrations. You might build a fire together at Beltane. Have your child learn how to work a flint. They'll develop a whole new appreciation and respect for the element of fire when they have to struggle to light their own. Samhain offers a perfect opportunity to carve pumpkins, share spooky stories, and explain the thinning of the veil between the worlds. Honor ancestors together. Maybe build a sun mandala at summer equinox out on the lawn with gathered flowers. Or for Yule, you can make your own festive Yule log. 
teach them about the symbolism of lighting it during the winter solstice. Encourage your child to participate in decorating and setting up altars and sacred spaces for each Sabbath. They may even want to create their own on a dresser top, a bookcase shelf, somewhere in their room. This hands-on approach not only teaches them about the Wheel of the Year, but it also fosters a sense of connection to the natural world and its rhythms of life and death, darkness and light. And they'll come to love and look forward to these celebrations. Number five, arts and crafts. Encourage your child to explore their artistic side by creating magical crafts and artwork inspired by nature and the changing seasons. For example, they can make their own wands from fallen branches and decorate them with colorful ribbons and even imbue them with personal intentions or symbols. This activity not only teaches them about the use of tools and magical practices, but it allows for self-expression. Creating dream catchers, friendship bracelets imbued with intention, they could wear these themselves or give them away. Chalk drawings can be protective. Stones can be painted to make personalized runes. During 2020, someone in our neighborhood was painting rocks and leaving them for people to find. They had cheery messages and happy pictures, and my son was so delighted by these that he started making his own. He didn't have the dexterity at that time to write messages on his, so he would simply declare that whoever found this painted rock would have the best day ever, or never catch COVID, or get a new car. He would hold his finished painted rock tightly in both hands, squeeze his eyes shut, and declare his intent aloud before placing the stone to be found. That's witchcraft, y'all. 100%. He was making magic. There are so many ways to weave magic and crafting together in a very natural way, and this is also a wonderful space to teach them a bit about color magic. Sigil magic is super fun for kids, too. You can teach them a couple of ways of making sigils and then let them run with it. For us, this started when my son noticed a sigil I had drawn on my wrist. He asked about it, and I told him what it meant, and he immediately wanted to know all about making his own sigils. He also enjoys making his own books. In fact, he has a whole library of his hand-bound books on a variety of subjects. These are both informative and beautiful. Each is illustrated with lovely drawings, and after binding the first couple for him, I taught him to make a simple stitched binding himself. And then he started making more elaborate covers, wrapping them in fabric, decoupaging them, even adding leather straps and buckles. I can't wait to see what his grimoire looks like someday. Number six, storytelling. I use stories a lot from a lot of different traditions and for a lot of different things I want him to learn all kinds of stories. Start by sharing age-appropriate stories from various cultures that are rich in magical and natural elements. For instance, you can introduce them to Native American or Native peoples. I know you're not all here in America. Tales of spirit animals or use Celtic myths featuring some of the ancient deities or Asian folklore about dragons and nature spirits. Explain the cultural context and significance of these stories. Emphasize their connection to the natural world and the magic it holds find the commonalities. There are some wonderful podcasts available for stories. We most recently binge listened to all of Nat Geo's Greeking Out, which actually has a lot beyond just Greek mythology. We also read far and wide, both aloud and to ourselves. But then some stories are more special, and they hold a place of honor within our family's traditions. And for these stories, we practice the art of good storytelling using oral tradition. If you can, learn to tell some stories without reading them. Humans have a long history of oral tradition, and the art of storytelling stirs something deep within us. Add a cozy fire to a good story and maybe some mint tea with loads of honey, and you have magic. Take turns telling magical tales. Encourage your child to participate. Let them share their own interpretations or spin their magical narratives or retell you a famous story. This not only fosters creativity, but it allows them to express their unique perspective. 
Of course, you can read to them too, and I would encourage you to. We do both. And as he gets older, and the stories are longer and more complex, I read most of them. Or I make him read to me. I'm a big believer in reading stories full of magic and adventure, good and evil. Right now, we're reading The Hobbit aloud. We alternate who's reading, and it gives us a ton to talk about on walks and driving in the car. How delighted we were when a few days after reading about Bilbo, nibbling a bit of sorrel as he walked, we saw some growing and gave it a taste. I also believe stories like this help us keep the mind open and looking for the magic in the world. As you tell and listen to these stories, incorporate activities that make the experience more immersive. Encourage your children to draw or paint scenes from the tales. Consider connecting the stories to the seasons and natural phenomena. Connect certain stories to the Sabbaths. This holistic approach to storytelling helps children develop a profound appreciation for the magic and wonder of nature. Number seven, divination. Introducing children to simple forms of divination can be a fascinating way to encourage self-reflection and help them with decision-making. Start by teaching your child about oracle cards. Select a child-friendly oracle deck with, you know, colorful images and pretty straightforward messages. Sit with your child and explain how these cards are used for insight and guidance, much like a wise friend offering advice. Encourage your child to ask questions about their feelings or situations they're facing and then draw cards to explore possible answers. My son's first experience with oracle cards came in the form of a dropped deck and one of our cats feeling pretty playful. When the cards scattered across the floor, our orange kitten chased them and we decided to play along and flipped over the cards he touched with his paw to form a reading. It was super fun and it was lighthearted and it opened up a whole conversation about my various decks and how they're used. We've also spent time admiring artwork on the cards together. Often I'll ask him why he thinks the artist chose to feature certain symbolism, such as animals or colors. This is teaching him to observe, to look for inner meaning and associations, and to observe closely. Another accessible form of divination is using a pendulum. A lot of people like to use a pendulum with children. Show them how to hold it and how to ask yes and no questions. Encourage your child to use the pendulum when they're faced with difficult decisions or uncertainties, and this simple divination method can help them tap into their intuition and really gain clarity about their emotions and their desires. You might even want to sit down and create a divination journal with your child so that after each session, they can record their questions they ask and the answers they receive, and then their interpretations of the messages. And this can serve as a really valuable resource for tracking personal growth and learning more about the decision-making process over time. By focusing on divination as a means of self-reflection and personal insight, children can really develop a deeper understanding of their own feelings and their thoughts, and that just helps them foster emotional intelligence and self-awareness. Number eight has to be journaling because I've already mentioned journaling a few times and it definitely deserves its own category. Children should keep their own grimoires or nature journals or even just personal diaries. It's a wonderful way to foster their curiosity, their creativity, and help them build that connection with their world. Start by providing them with a blank notebook or sketchbook, which they can then personalize with their name and their drawings and their decorations. Encourage them to use this journal as a space to record their observations, their thoughts, their experiences related to nature and magic and spiritual exploration, right? My son prefers to work on loose sheets of paper, and then he gathers them up and binds them using stitching. And this helps him to not get too weighed down in perfectionism or worries that he might mess up a page in his book. Incorporate regular journaling sessions into their routine. This could be scheduled just weekly, or you could tie it to specific activities, such as going on a walk, or going moon gazing, or after gardening. During these sessions, prompt your child to write about what they observed in the world. 
about their dreams or their thoughts. They can include sketches, pressed flowers, other mementos from their outdoor adventures. And over time, this journal will become a treasure trove of their insights and experiences. Again, you're their model, so I recommend that you journal together. Share materials. Let them see some of what you're doing in your own personal practice. And to further enrich their journaling experience, provide them maybe with prompts or ideas to spark creativity. For example, you might suggest that they write a poem or a short story inspired by a recent nature walk. Encourage them to explore their own interests and develop their unique style of journaling. As they fill the pages of their grimoire or nature journal, they'll not only deepen their connection with the natural world, but they'll also develop valuable writing and observational skills. But I also want to say this. Respect their privacy. Let them know it's okay to have personal thoughts and personal pages. Respect their privacy and expect the same from them. Sometimes it's appropriate to share. Sometimes that shit is private. Their journals should always feel like a safe space, free of judgment and only shared if they so desire. I never look at my son's journals or books unless invited to. And then I really look. I ask questions and I actively listen. But if he doesn't feel like sharing, there is zero pressure to do so. Number nine, cook together. You cook probably every day. And cooking magic is such a delightful way to teach children about the magical properties of herbs and ingredients and intention, all while bonding over the joy of preparing meals together. Start by introducing your child to herbs commonly used in magic and culinary traditions, such as basil for prosperity or cinnamon for warmth and energy. Explain the intentions behind each ingredient. Make it clear that cooking can be a magical act when performed with love and intention. You might involve your child in meal planning. Ask them to help choose recipes that incorporate chosen herbs or ingredients for specific magical properties. For example, you could cook a pasta dish with basil for a prosperous family gathering or bake cinnamon-infused cookies to share with friends for warmth and connection during the cold months. During the cooking process, guide your child in measuring, mixing, and blending the ingredients while discussing their magical correspondences and how to really be present and full of love and intention when you cook. Show your child pictures of how water crystals change when exposed to different emotions and words, or how plants grow better when given words of affirmation and love, and then explain that our food, it's the same. Essentially, since it's largely made of water, I found this really hit home, the idea that our state of mind when preparing food changes it, for better or worse. As you cook together, emphasize the importance of infusing the food with positive energy and intention. Encourage your child to visualize desired outcomes while stirring or garnishing a dish. Discuss the power of mindfulness and focus. Illustrate how these same principles can be applied to everyday activities like cooking. As you share the magical meal you've prepared, you can reflect on the intentions you set and celebrate the magical bond you've cultivated through this shared experience. Cooking magic not only teaches children about the mystical properties of herbs and ingredients, it also instills the idea that intention and mindfulness can infuse everyday life with wonder and purpose. And then number 10, I had to put animal magic in there because I love animals. My child loves animals. I haven't really met a child who doesn't love animals. And many of us have pets. Teaching children about animal magic and the concept of a magical relationship with a familiar or an animal guide, even just animal symbolism, it can be a fascinating and enriching experience for them. Begin by introducing them to the idea that animals have unique qualities and energies that can be tapped into for guidance for inspiration. 
Explore the concept of spirit animals or animal totems, which represent specific qualities or traits, and then help your child understand how they can connect with and learn from these animal energies. Animal oracle decks are a great tool here. One activity idea is to guide your child in discovering their own spirit animal or their own animal guide. You might encourage them to spend time in nature, outdoors, observing animals they encounter, and keeping a journal of their observations and feelings. Discuss the symbolism and characteristics associated with those various animals and help them identify which ones really resonate with them the most. Once they've chosen an animal, you could explore together how its qualities can be integrated into their daily life, into their spiritual practice. How can they draw on that animal's energies when they're facing an adverse situation or a difficult question? Create art, craft related to their chosen animal. Familiars in the forms of pets or animal companions can also be a wonderful idea for children. Now, they may not find a familiar, but explain the idea that certain animals may share a special bond with individuals, providing them with support and companionship. Encourage your child to form a deep bond with their pets. This fosters a sense of responsibility and empathy while developing their understanding of the relationships that can exist between humans and animals. Remember to keep the information and the activities age-appropriate and always prioritize safety and respect for nature and the free will of others. Encourage your child to ask questions and explore their own interests within the realm of magic and witchcraft, whether you use those words or not. Allow them to develop their unique connection with the natural world. And one last super important point, never, I mean never, involve other people's children in your practice. Not without the explicit permission of the parents. I mean it. Don't be tempted. Okay, I hope this inspires you. Doing even a couple of these things will add so much magic to your child's life. You're raising the next generation of witches and the world needs their magic their passion, their love of nature, and respect for the elements more than ever. We need CEOs and politicians and scientists and teachers raised with these values. We need to preserve the knowledge of witches and give future generations the tools to survive whatever the changing world brings. Magic teaches us that and so much more. I talk a lot about gardening and herbalism here, and I'd love to see you in the Inner Circle membership, my online group devoted to learning all things witchy and magical. This January, I have a new class dropping for Inner Circle members, Discover the World of Magical Gardening in my Garden Planning for Busy Witches course. Whether you have a small patio or just a few pots, this class empowers you to create a magical garden that thrives, supports pollinators, and enhances your witchcraft practice. Join me for a journey where you'll blend the magic of plants with ecological consciousness, infuse beauty into your space, and connect with a community of fellow witchy gardeners. Start your own garden and let nature's magic inspire your daily life. For about the cost of two cups of coffee, you can access that as well as the entire Wind Moon Magic course catalog. Receive monthly content bundles and join me for workshops and new courses throughout the year. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out on future episodes. And if you're enjoying the show, I would be incredibly grateful if you could take a moment to rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback means the world to me and helps others discover the show. Remember, if you're hungry for more knowledge and eager to dive deeper into the craft, I invite you to visit my website, windmoonmagic.com. That's magic with a K. There you'll find the show notes for this episode, along with a treasure trove of free resources. 
Also consider joining me in the Inner Circle. Inside this membership, you'll gain access to over 22 courses and growing, covering a wide range of topics in modern witchcraft, magic, and herbalism. To stay connected with me and receive updates, inspiration, and glimpses into my journey, follow me on Instagram at windmoonmagic. Remember that's magic with a K and underscores between each word. As we bid farewell for now, I want to express my deepest gratitude to each and every one of you for joining me on this extraordinary adventure. Your support and presence mean the world to me.